Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or what you drink or what you wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not much more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Does not each day have enough trouble on its own? Don't store up treasures for yourself on earth, where thieves break in and steal, and where moths and rust destroy. But instead, store up your treasures in heaven, where thieves do not break in and steal, and where moths and rust do not destroy. For I tell you, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Acknowledge the God of your Father, and serve Him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart, Lord. Do not let me stray from your commands. For I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. My heart says, Seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then make my joy complete, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Therefore, I urge you, Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who believes in him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. But seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. The word of the Lord. Well, we say goodbye to an old friend, or I do anyway. You preach these sermon series, and you kind of get into them, and uh, I hate to see them go when I spent so much time and learned so much. I told someone earlier this morning, no one learns more than the preacher. I, I learn a ton getting ready for this stuff and preaching. If you want to know your Bible, you want to learn your Bible more, teach. That's how you learn. When you, the more I teach, the more I learn as I teach, and it's just a, it's a big bonus for me. The, the, the baggage series, if you're new to us and you, you kind of haven't been here for the whole thing, I'll, I'll bring you up to speed real quick. In a nutshell, here's the series. Week one, we unpacked the term baggage, and, and we discovered that everybody has some. Everybody has some baggage. In fact, if you were here this morning and you'd say, I don't have any baggage, that's your baggage, okay? That's your issue. If you think you don't have any issues, that's your issue, because we're all kind of messed up. We've all got something going on, and, and we... We said that on this journey of life, the ride we're on, there are a lot of us that simply are not enjoying the journey very much. And it's not because the destination isn't good. It's not because where we're going isn't a great thing. It's, it's not any of that. It's just that uh, as the opening video shows, and you may wonder, why does he keep showing that? I want you to see those people with bags all around them. And I want you to see metaphorically that that might be you and that might be me and that we've got to get past that. Um, that as you go through your life there's just stuff that we just have learned to deal with in our life that was never god never intended for us to make friends with it and carry that with us for the rest of our life but we do we learned in, in week one that the biblical word for baggage is the word stronghold and the idea is that it literally means that you bought into something that is not true that you are a prisoner locked by a deception and and that because of that it has a stronghold on your life it has nothing to do with heaven and hell it's not about that it has everything to do with how much you enjoy yourself along the way on this journey and it makes sense that if our problem is that we are locked up by a deception it makes sense that the solution then is going to come in the form of truth in some way so this whole series each week we've just tried to pour into you just truth about what's true about you and what's true about God and what's true about how we relate to God and um Here's the deal. Some of you this morning, as you've even walked into the room, there's baggage. There's some major, severe, overwhelming baggage in your world, and you know it. And then uh, it's just, it's, it's a little much. And the devil is telling you things, he's telling you stuff that's not true. He's whispering in your ear, and he's, he's telling you stuff, and he's accusing you, and it's not true. I want to tell you a little story to get started to put all this into context. There's this guy that went to a pet store. And he's at the pet store, and he's looking around, and all of a sudden he hears from across the room, Hey, you! And he stops, and he looks across the pet store, and he sees a parrot on the other side of the store. And he says, What? He says, You! He says, What? He says, Come over here. So the guy walks over to where the parrot is, and he says, What? He says, you are the ugliest person I've ever seen walk in this store. 
Well, the guy was offended by that, and so he, he left the, pres- the parrot, and he went to the manager of the store, and he said, hey, that bird over there just insulted me and said things to me that I don't think you want your bird saying to the customers as they come into the store. You might want to go have a talk with your parrot and reorient him just a little bit. He said, well, what did he say? He said, I was the ugliest person he'd ever seen. Well, he left. The guy left the store. The manager goes to have a little come-to-Jesus meeting with the parrot. He smacks him around on the beak and says, hey, you can't talk to our customers like that. I I need these customers to buy stuff from us. You talk to the people like that, nobody's going to come back. So you cut that out. Don't say that anymore. Well, a month later, this guy comes back into the pet store, and he's looking around at all the animals, and across the way, he hears, hey! He looks across, it's that parrot. He said, what? He said, come over here. So he walks over to where the parrot is. He gets up on him and he says, what? The parrot says, you know what? (laughs) That's funny. That is funny. Here's the deal. The devil accuses you every day. The devil whispers things and he accuses and he talks in your ear and he tells you a bunch of stuff that's not true. Jesus said in John chapter 8 that he is the father, the devil is the father of lies, constantly telling you stuff that's not true. And some of you are here today and and you were singing earlier or maybe you were taking communion or you were praying or you were doing some holy spiritual act and all the while you're doing it, the devil's going, oh yeah, you... You're praying now, but you weren't praying midweek when I saw you do what you did. Oh, yeah, you sing pretty now, and you're telling Jesus how much you love him now, but I didn't hear you telling Jesus how much you loved him when you were mad on Thursday and no one else was around, and I heard what you said, and I know what was in your heart. Oh, I know. I know what. You know what. It's like that parrot's constantly talking in your head. Only it's the enemy. He's telling you a bunch of stuff that's not true. In weeks two and three, we talked about the two areas. We attack these two areas of our life. It's our past that creates baggage, the things that we've done that we wish we hadn't done, you know, the skeletons, all this stuff, all the mistakes we've made that just kind of keeps recurring. It comes up and it reminds you that you're not perfect and you've got a past and you've done stupid stuff. That creates baggage. And then if it's not that, the, the, the third week we talked about relationships, relational baggage, all the things because we're in relationship with one another and things that people have said. So it's either your past or it's people or it could be past people that are your problem. But weeks two and three were about your past and people. And then last week we tried to tackle this one concept and that is that we began, when we began to experience Christ, we, we came to Christ and we, we, we immediately experienced some freedom. And, and as, as is the mo- case for a lot of people when they come to Christ, especially you know, as an adult, after we've had a chance to accumulate some baggage, you come to Jesus and it seems like you get some victory pretty early over a lot of different things. And it's like, man, this coming to Jesus has helped me in a lot of areas. I, you know, my temper's not as bad or my, you know, I'm just... I'm more laid back or whatever, my money's better, whatever. You know, Jesus has helped me figure out how to handle money. I don't spend it on stupid stuff or whatever the thing is. But there's, 
you may have you may you may find victory in like 99% of your life but what we've discovered and what we talked about is there's generally that one area that one area and and salvation happened overnight but the process of growing into a mature believer takes time and you may get victory over a lot of things right away but there's generally one thing that we called it last week the bag that won't let go the bag that won't let go that bag that that you carry with you everywhere you go when you go to it's like you walking into work with a piece of luggage in your hand somebody says you going on vacation we get off work today no i just carry this with me wherever i go oh you know pretty soon they start looking at you like a terrorist it's it's with you in the car it's with you when you eat it's with you everywhere they're, they're you know they're, they're like is that oxygen in there no no i just it's my luggage i just carry it with me my baggage wherever i go it's my one thing and we don't have any victory over it and so last week we talked about how do we get over that one thing and i had people come up to me it's like you're reading my mail how do you know i don't know what your one thing is okay don't tell me i don't need to know don't but god knows and you know but as i talked last week that one thing was front and center in your mind and god was working on you and trying to help you to get to a place where you could get freedom for it and most of us do this most of us buy into this idea that 99 percent of the stuff i'm going to get over but it's that one thing and i'm just never going to be able to get over it so i'm just gonna have to take it with me everywhere i go therefore we're carrying that bag into work with us on on monday morning and it goes with us every single day here's the final twist on this once you have freedom once you've experienced it how do you stay free that's the big question it's a counterattack. jesus talked about it in luke chapter 11 verse 24 and i'm going to read this from the new living translation when an evil spirit leaves a person you're saying brett are you saying i'm evil maybe <laughs> no no i'm not i'm not saying you're evil i'm just saying when this bad thing comes out of my life it, it comes out look what happens when an evil spirit leaves a person it goes into the desert searching for rest but when it finds none it says i will return to the person i came from and that's the part we don't like but it's the truth you know our baggage is kind of like bo it just kind of wants to keep coming back so when it returns and finds that its former home is all swept and in order because now we've listened to sermons one two three and four in the baggage series and we've gotten a little freedom and we've gotten a little victory and we've kind of got our ducks in a row and thought okay maybe i can get some freedom and maybe this will be okay and and you know look at me baby my house is clean i've got some freedom here here's the bad news verse 26 then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself and they all enter the person and live there so that that person is worse off than before to which you would say well brett we just need to move on to a new series if you know if that's what's going on right but here's the reality and most christians are not prepared for this and that is that maintaining your freedom and staying free there's a way to do that i think people have just bought into the idea well I, i'm not going to be able to stay free forever i mean it's just I, there's a cycle at work and I, I want to i want to there's three words i'm going to give you 
I want to expose this cycle because only in exposing it can we really start to talk about, identify, and figure out where we're going to be. This, this cycle happens in governments. It happens in your personal life. It happens in your finances. It happens with your kids. It happens in your morality and your character. You'll see this cycle in all phases of life. You'll see it in our government right now. Our government is going through this right now. It's just a, a cycle, and hopefully if we can expose it, we can stop it at the right place. Here's the first part of it, and the first word I want to give you this morning is the word freedom. Freedom. All of us want it, and I think, honestly, there's a you know, little fight inside of us that we will go after it. I, you know, you start thinking about how the, the, the founding fathers founded this country, what they went through to, so that we could have this. I mean, they, they come over here from a, another part of the world they cross the ocean they get here they're they're in pursuit of freedom they they don't want to be uh, taxed without representation they want religious freedom they, they they're, they're willing to take some pretty amazing risks and the things that they endured and the sacrifices they went through just really pretty amazing when you start to think about it all of us have times when we say you know what i'm gonna fight for what i want i i want that i'm gonna fight for it I want that house, and I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to do what it takes to be able to buy that house. I want that car. I want that girl. I want, you know, whatever. I want that degree. And it's like we, you know, we, we paint our faces blue, and we yell, freedom! And if you don't know what I just did, you haven't seen Braveheart, because that's Braveheart, right? If you're like, Brett's going crazy. No, Brett's watch Braveheart. you got to watch Braveheart to have that make sense to you. There's a little bit of that in all of us. We're willing to, to, to pursue and to fight and go after that, that, that freedom that we know God wants us to have a little bit. So here's the deal. Most of us will get it if, you're, if, you, know, if you fight for it. You'll likely get it. So you, you have freedom, and freedom leads to prosperity. Another word we might use there is the word blessing. Freedom leads to blessing. It always does. But, but here's the bad news. Most people don't know how to handle it. I have said for a long, long time, America is a great country, greatest country on earth, but, but all countries eventually find a demise. They all eventually come to an end, and, and one of the reasons that countries come to an end, and I believe that the thing that makes America great is going to be America's downfall one day, and that is that we do not handle freedom well. That's our problem. And it's not just a, an American problem, it's a, prob, it's a people problem Freedom creates problems for us because we don't know how to handle freedom. And so people get freedom, they usually respond in one of two ways. They either get really arrogant or they become complacent. They aren't fighting anymore. And all the things they did to get freedom, they stopped doing. You look at an athlete who fights and works and claws, a baseball player scratching and clawing to get through the minors, to get to the, the big leagues, works like crazy. If once he gets to the big leagues, he doesn't keep fighting, scratching and clawing, he won't stick in the big leagues. You, you can't go through all that, then finally get to the top and say, I've arrived. I've gotten here. I, I don't need to do any more work. In fact, if you talk to ball players, what they'll tell you is, no, once you get there, you have to work twice as hard because there's some dude over my shoulder who's working to get my job. And I can't become complacent, and I can't become arrogant. I've got to work, work, work. I've got to stay on top of it. The problem is, when we get freedom, we want to say, I've arrived. I've got blessing. I've arrived. 
look at me i got everything you could want there's a huge debate in washington right now over the national debt because here's what happened 50 or 60 years ago there was this great generation of people in america and because of what they did it set us up for a period in our nation's history about 20 30 35 years ago where we went through this great prosperity and this great wealth this this wonderful time of blessing and and then you fast forward to today and our government and this is not a political message and i'm not pointing any political fingers i'm not about doing that up here it's not my thing but right now in our government there's this big fight over the national debt right you've been hearing about that in the news everybody's all upset about it i'm gonna drop a statistic on you and this statistic is probably outdated by now i'm sure it is but i heard that our national debt if you were to apply it over every american man woman and child if we all got our portion of the national debt do you know what it would come out to be for you forty four thousand dollars ahead national debt and it's growing by the trillions because we got complacent and we got arrogant here's a statistic that'll just scare the life out of you the average american spends 122 percent of its income i'm just gonna let that settle for just a minute because i don't think that really settled on you think about that do the math okay 122% of our income. It's out of control. Prosperity leads to arrogance, and it leads to complacency. And now we find ourselves, because of that, we find ourselves back in bondage. That's the third thing. So you have freedom followed by blessing or prosperity followed by bondage and we just keep repeating that cycle and you'll see that if you'll start paying attention you'll see that in relationships you'll see that in your money you'll see that in your character you'll see that cycle all over the place i want to help you today not only to find the first one but i also want to help you to get to prosperity to teach you how to be prosperous how to handle your freedom and handle your blessings and make it stop and never let it go and before you get all discouraged thinking well man that you know that's not me i've done some stupid things brett i don't know that i could ever get to the place you know i, I can see how our leaders are leading us and and this cycle we're in right now you just need to understand the early church faced this as well you know this isn't this isn't something that can just be applied to the 21st century the early church knew about this the early church experienced this same kind of cycle in fact they were so fired up when jesus came on the scene because before to get to god you had to kill animals and sacrifice the animals and spill the blood and it was a it was a gory mess i mean there's blood everywhere and things dying and and it all had to be done just right lots of rules lots of regulations and 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 then jesus comes along and he takes care of everything with his blood and it lets his people be free and they were enjoying that and and and, and that's the thing if you if you haven't ever come to christ and you and when you hear someone say something about following jesus and in your mind you just think rules 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 then you don't understand jesus if when you hear the name Jesus, you just hear the person who says no, you don't understand Jesus. And, and for years, that really, that's the message 
There are books that have been written about what non-Christians think about Jesus, and, and the things that they think about Jesus are not true, and they're not true because the church has been basically putting off this vibe that Jesus is just a no machine. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. They don't understand that Jesus came to bring us freedom. And, and, and Jesus comes along and, and he brings this freedom. And, and back in the early church, they didn't know how to handle it either. So we have this entire book of the Bible written about it, Galatians, where Paul is fixing a church that he planted that, that, that they was found, they, once they found freedom, they went back into bondage again. They just got into the cycle just like everybody else does. And here's how it surfaced. <laughs> These Jewish people who had come to Christ and by virtue of being Jewish, they had been circumcised. And they're Christians, and they've got this neat little church in Galatia, and now all of a sudden, Gentiles start showing up, coming to their church, and they're coming to Christ, and the, 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 the Jews are saying, oh, there's one more thing that you have to do. Oh, really? What's that? Well, we want you to be circumcised. It's at that point that, you know, a lot of the guys were taking a step back and rethinking the whole thing, and and. Paul hears about it, and he's like, no, no, you, that's not supposed to be a part of it. That, you know, you, that's, you're, you're, you're misusing your freedom. It, it's, that doesn't apply anymore. So when all these new people start coming in, they say, hey, guess what? You know, there, there's, there's this other thing that we require. Now, just if you're a visitor with us this morning, and you're checking us out, and you're thinking about joining us as a church, here's the good news. All we require... <laughs> Is, is that you be immersed, you confess Christ, and you want to shake our hand in fellowship. That's really pretty much all we're asking for. We're not asking you to be circumcised. Can't you just see a couple coming to church? They sit through the worship, and they sit through the sermon, and they're like, you know, this is all right. It's pretty good. I kind of like it. And then toward the end, the preacher gets up and says, now, if you really want to be a part of our church, you've got to be circumcised. And the guy, you know, snaps to attention. The guy does. You've got to, what? I imagine the early church was comprised mostly of women. That's what I, that's just my, I think the guys were saying, honey, you go on. I'm going to watch Joel Osteen on television this morning. And uh, you just tell me how it was when you get back. I'll, I'll just stay right here. So Paul's pretty ticked off because this is all going on. He's not happy about what he's heard is happening in Galatia. He's, he's, he's writing about it. And, and they've been given all this religious freedom. And they started putting barriers and borders and boundaries on people. And Paul spends the entire book of Galatians trying to fix this problem. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And that's my message to you today. Don't allow yourselves to be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Hopefully in this series you've found some freedom. Hopefully as we've talked about this you've said, you know what, that's perfectly describing me and I need to stop that. Don't let yourselves be burdened again. Today, I want to give you the secrets to maintaining freedom, how to stay free. How to stay free so that we never let ourselves be burdened again. So we can stay in that second stage of the cycle instead of constantly repeating it, going through that freedom and blessing and bondage thing. We can avoid the bondage. We can just kind of settle into the prosperity and the blessing. It'll happen, but you have to do three things. I'm going to give you three words. The first word is the word humility. Humility. 
Humility. Most people lose their freedom because they are arrogant. Our nation is arrogant. I flew into Tokyo, Japan on, a, on the way to a mission trip, and when we got off the plane, it was late at night. You could tell the Americans from the Asians. You could tell because we were arrogant. We were loud and boisterous and just not good. We're arrogant. We're, we're arrogant as a country. We're, we're, our churches are arrogant. Our leaders are arrogant. I'm arrogant. I, I find it in myself at times and, and just get sickened by it, but it's there. We all get to a place where we say, I've got this. I got this. It's all under control. I got, my, I got it under my thumb. I got it under control. I have this little saying that I say to myself all the time because I do fight with it. I, uh, you've heard me say before, one of my favorite quotes is Robert Murray McShane, the lust of praise has ever been my most besetting sin. That's just a fancy way of saying that, that arrogance and, and pride is a problem in my life and I fight it. And one of the things that I say to myself over and over and over again, I just keep saying, stay humble, head down. Stay humble, head down. Brett, keep your head down. Just stay humble. Don't, 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 don't listen to that. Don't, don't talk about that. Don't, don't, head down. Stay humble. Proverbs says, pride goes before the fall, a haughty spirit before destruction. The cycle keeps going because we back off thinking, I, I got it going on. I, I got this figured out. And it's arrogance. Instead, we should have this one simple attitude that when God blesses us and you experience some freedom, every day you still come before him and you say, God, on my best day, I fall short. On my best day, I am not good enough. Cross Lane has had some real successes in its history. This is a very, very good church. There's been some great successes at this church, and things have gone really right for us. But I wish you could hear our staff meetings. I wish you could hear how we pray. And I wish you could hear our elders when we come together and we pray, and we pray things like, God, we understand and we know that all this stuff that we're seeing happen is because you are an awesome God. It's not because we're great leaders. It's not because we have a great staff or a great band or a good preacher or a good building or any of that stuff. All this stuff is happening, God, because we understand you are calling the shots and you are pulling the strings. And the minute you leave the building, we're done. We're done. I heard a great quote this week. The man on his face can never fall from that position. The man on his face can never fall from that position. Don't go back. After all the ground we've covered in this series, don't go back to a place where a year from now you need to hear this series again. Don't go back. Humility. First Peter says, humble yourselves. The choice is yours. You can either humble yourself or you can be humbled. Humility or humiliation. One you initiate, the other one gets initiated for you. Trust me. Trust me. We all know, don't we? If we've lived any time at all, we know we'd rather initiate humility than to be humbled. The Bible says the one who humbles himself is the one the Lord will lift up. 
I love David in the Old Testament. Love him. David, it is said, was a man after God's own heart, and yet he was a murderer, an adulterer, a liar, and he gets called a man after God's own heart. That means there's hope for me. If that can be said of David, as bad as he was, well, then that might be able to be said of me. And he never lost God's favor. Even when he messed up, he would, he would pray things like this. If you're a person who messes up a lot, I'll give you a little hint. Pray this prayer from Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Then you come to verse 17. <clears throat> the sacrifices of God, that's just a fancy way of saying what God really likes. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise me. You want to maintain your freedom? Humility. Brokenness. Always know that everything you have and everything you are has come from the gracious hand of a loving God. So the first word is humility. The second word is honesty. Honesty. <clears throat> Meaning that when you are tempted, when you want to go back and that bag starts knocking on your door and says, you know what? When that happens, you better tell somebody. You better tell somebody. If you try and keep that a secret and walk around with it, I'm telling you, you're headed for bondage when you do that. You are free when you tell somebody. Just because someone has fallen does not mean that that bag has to come back into your life. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. It does not have to come back into your life. But it will if you're not honest. Be honest with who? Honest with God first. 1 John 1 says, if. Note how that starts. If. It's not assuming anything. If, it's almost as if God says, I just wish I could find one. Just somebody, if somebody would confess their sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So first, the second you mess up, because the bag is going to keep knocking. It's, it's never going to stop knocking. It leaves and it comes back. Sometimes it comes back stronger. At that moment, God, forgive me, cleanse me, free me. Run like a little kid to its mama when you run to God. Not only God, but also God's people. James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We're going to live in humility and we're going to confess to God and we're going to confess to God's people and we're going to find healing and forgiveness. I just want to plug small groups for a second. If you aren't a part of small groups, we will be launching those in the fall. I would highly encourage you to sign up for them. I mean, it's, it, we, we, we're pretty intentional about it. We try to match them up, and we, it's, a, it's a big thing around here. We've got a lot of people in small groups. You need to be in small group. You need to be telling some other people, confessing. You need to have some people around you that can help you straighten up and fly right. And we've got good people in our small groups. We don't have people like, like I heard about three preachers who got together for the purpose of accountability they wanted to share and their life rough as a preacher and they wanted just to support one another and so 
um, these three pre preachers come together and says, okay, we need to just share with one another struggles from our life. And the first guy said, okay, I'll go first. I, I have tremendous lust issues in my life. I, I just, I mean, it's a, it's a problem for me. I, I, it's, a, it's, a, I, it's a constant struggle. And if you guys only knew some of the thoughts I have, you probably would not want me to be a preacher. And, and it's just horrible. But I feel better telling you guys, and I feel some release, and I feel some freedom. And I just feel much better now that I've kind of laid that out. The next guy says, well, that may be your thing. My thing's gambling. I stay up all hours of the night online playing Texas Hold'em poker. My, my, I'm about to lose my house, and I don't have any money, and I, I don't have, get any sleep. And, you know, I fall asleep in, the, in my office, and when someone walks in, I say amen. You know, so they think I've been praying. You know, it's just, I, it's, it's just this constant, I cannot get over the, I, I just, gambling's a problem for me. And the next pastor said, my problem's gossip, and I can't wait to get out of here. Now, we don't, hopefully we don't have that in our small groups. The key is you've got to find the gossip person, get them to go first, confess their sin, so you kind of know what the rules and the boundaries and the parameters are, okay? Don't convince yourself, I can handle this myself. Don't convince yourself, I got it all under control. Or you're going to need this series again next year or next month. So if you're going to maintain, it's humility, it's honesty, and, and finally, it's the Holy Spirit. We need the person of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need a relationship. Paul prayed in 2 Corinthians, may the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What was he saying? What he's saying is, my five sermons in this baggage series are not enough to give you the freedom that you need. It breaks my heart to tell you that, but that's the truth. I'm not that good a preacher. I can't preach good enough and I can't teach good enough to enable freedom to stay a part of your life and for you to be free of all these bags. I, cannot, I can't do it. I'm not good enough to be able to do that. You need the Holy Spirit working in your life. You need a relationship with Him. That's where you're going to get the power you need because you can't maintain this stuff in your own effort. It's not enough. Romans says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature but by the Spirit if the Spirit of God lives in you. We need his role in our life. Been, been singing this song here the last first part of the year. I love that song when we sing it. It's, Kyle does it all the time. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where God is, there is freedom. We don't need more sermons. We really don't. We are educated far beyond our obedience. You don't need any more sermons. What you need is an encounter with God. That's what you need. Some of you could teach this stuff, but you've never had an encounter with God. Some of you know this stuff cold, but you've never come face to face with God. And because you haven't, it, it, it hasn't taken hold. You've got to encounter God in order for you to maintain this freedom. There's got to be a relationship. Jacob had some bags. <clears throat> I'm going to teach you this last thing. I, I got to tell you, I learned a ton as I, as I got ready for this. I, this last thing I'm doing, worth the price of admission, which is free, by the way, for all five of the baggage series, the series sermons, okay? This, this thing I'm about to teach you, for me, was new. You're going to hear it and go, Brett, I already knew that. Well, I didn't. What I'm about to teach you, I didn't know. And, and it's worth the price of admission. Jacob had some baggage. Um, <clears throat> he had some of the same stuff that we deal with. He had the past. He had issues from his past. His name meant deceiver. 
He was a messed up dude. He had issues with people. His father-in-law Laban was, uh, you know, they didn't, they had some issues, and Esau and his brother, they didn't quite see eye to eye, and they didn't get along the best in the world. He tried everything on his in his own effort, and it fell short. And the Bible says he got desperate in a place that he would eventually call Peniel. And that, that means face-to-face, where Jacob says, I came face-to-face with God. The Bible says he wrestled with God. And I'm going to finish up this sermon from Genesis 32, verse 24, starts saying this. Jo- Jacob was left alone, and a man, and the Hebrew word there is a, would lead us to believe that's an angel of God. Jacob was left alone, and a man, an angel of God, wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him... He touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. This is kind of funny to me. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. (laughs) He's ready to get out of there. He's been wrestling all night. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He was so desperate. He knew he needed something more. He knew his effort fell short same for you same for me my effort falls short and i know it but boy that doesn't keep me from trying does it keep you from trying oh i can do it i I muster up the strength i can do it listen it's gonna fall short verse 27 the man asked him what is your name jacob jacob he answered verse 28 then the man said your name will no longer be jacob in other words your name will no longer be deceiver that's significant that's not going to be your identity anymore you have a new name the new name is Israel because you have struggled and Israel means prince by the way because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome Jacob said please tell me your name but he replied why do you ask my name then he blessed him there and that word blessed is it it, kind of gives the idea of of deep joy an, an abiding deep presence then he blessed him there verse 30 so jacob called the place peniel saying it is because i saw god face to face here's my hope for you this morning you've heard it all you've heard the best i can give you sermons one through five in the baggage series humility honesty and this daily presence of god the holy spirit relationship that will produce in you the same three things that it produced in jacob I'm going to give them to you, and then we'll close. This is what it produced in Jacob. First of all, it produced a new strength. You ask yourself, Brett, why? If you're asking yourself, you're not talking to me. You're asking me, Brett, why? Why did the man touch Jacob's hip and put it out of place? Because that's the strongest part of your body right there. That's the strongest muscle. It goes into your hip bone, which you need to be able to walk right and to be able to stand good and and brace yourself and all this has all got to work right and it is as if god was saying i'm going to touch that and i'm going to disable that and the bible tells us that he basically jacob would walk with a limp for the rest of his life a reminder from god that said stop doing it in your own strength stop trying to do it all by yourself i heard that and i went wow wow because i'm telling you If ever there was a guy that tries to do it in his own strength, you're looking at him. Verse 
God said, I don't want you relying on your natural power. And to remind you, you're going to limp for the rest of your life. Rely on my strength. So he got a new strength. He got a new identity, a new name. You look through the scriptures, the people who encountered God, Abraham, Paul, Peter, every time someone like that encounters God, they get a name change, new identity. Some of you guys have bought into the identity that is not true. You say, well, that's just the way I, it's just who I am. My daddy was, was angry. My, I'm, you know, I'm just going to be angry. It's just in my blood. No. The Bible says if a man be in Christ, he is a new creation. You are new. The third thing, Jacob got a new blessing, a new joy. Something deep inside. I close with this psalm. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Listen. You can't do this by yourself. And all this baggage and all this stuff that just is all around you until you just get desperate and you just start confessing, you, you, you humbly, honestly confess to the Holy Spirit, God, I can't do this. I'm not, don't let the devil accuse me. Then and only then do the bags start to fall away. And do you live your life in the freedom that God intended for you to live all along? That's what God wants for you. Galatians 5.1, Jesus came for freedom. If you've never given your life to Christ, I don't know what you think following Jesus is about, but I got a feeling that most people who don't follow Jesus don't really understand. If you are a little unclear, we'd love to talk to you about it. Because Jesus is not about saying no to everything. Jesus came to bring you freedom. Let's pray together. God, I give you thanks for a, a group of people in this room who on top of being personal friends of mine, are broken people with bags. Lord, we all got them. And it's my prayer this morning that throughout this series, you have been working on us and teaching us new things that we can use to overcome these bag issues in our life. And just like that parrot, God, the devil whispers in our ear things that are not true. I pray we would be so close to the Holy Spirit that we would hear your voice loving on us reminding us that Jesus died for all that stuff that we are free and forgiven that grace and mercy are ours that you're crazy about us God we love you we, we just we humbly and honestly confess our sin just now these bags, these issues, these pasts, these problems, these people. We've been trying to do it in our own strength. We can't. We just can't. So here we are with our, our hip out of joint, confessing to you that we need you. We need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.